I'll start with the nigun to Anila Dodi Dodi Li. It's one of the things we'll be learning about today. And <clears throat> it comes from, of course, Shira Shirim, Song of Songs. And the, the, the whole verse, everyone knows the Anila Dodi Dodi Li, but it's actually part of a verse that says, Dodi Yarad Lagano, my beloved has gone down into his garden, La Arugot Habosem, to the beds of spices, Lirot Beganim, to pasture in the gardens, Belilkot Shoshanim, and to pick lilies or roses, depends on how you translate that. And then it says, Ani dodi dodi li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. And of course, we learned that, that these four words, Ani dodi dodi li, is an acronym for the month of Elo. The first letters of those four words spell Elo. So I'll start with a, a nigun. It happens to be one of my own nigunim. <clears throat> and I, I recorded it with, uh, with Shlomo Katz. He sang with me on this uh, nigun and played guitar. Dodi arad legano learugot Lira Pagani Vilil Kot Shoshani Ani Ledodi Vedodi Arawe Bashoshani Ani Ledodi Vedodi Shoshani <laughs> Ani ledodi vedodi li Ani Okay, so today, Bezrat Hashem, I want to try to give over two paradigms about the month of Elo. In Kabbalah, one of the most important things is the usage of models and paradigms in order to structure uh, information. In other words, in general, uh, 
when too much information comes to us and we have no framework, it's just, it's just coming and coming and coming and coming. So after an hour class or two hour class or learning on your own, whatever, there has to be a way to fit it into a framework. So we're gonna learn two different frameworks that will give people a, an opportunity to have a focus of the meaning of the month of Elo. So I'm gonna start with the, the same idea of the song I just sang. Is, it's, it's probably one of the most uh, famous acronyms in all of Jewish uh, study is that the four words, ani l'dodi v'dodi li, is the acronym for the month of Elo. And what we learned from this is that, that Elul, leading into Tishrei, all the holidays of Tishrei, like the bottom line is to have a relationship with, with the creator of the world. Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the world, actually. According to tradition, the first day of creation is the 25th day of Elul. And with all the other things that we think about, the shofar, and of course Yom Kippur, and fasting, and sukkahs, sometimes we forget like what is the bottom line purpose of all of this. And so this simple acronym tells us right from the beginning of Elul, what we're striving for, and that is to renew or improve or uh, recommit to our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the simple meaning of Anila Dodi Vadodi Li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. I want to point something out is we spoke about the acronym of the first letters, but if, if, if you look at the four words, they, all four words end with the letter Yud. Ani, le dodi, le dodi, li. Four Yuds. So this alludes to the cycle of 40 days from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur. And these 40 days is, is a mirror image of the third time when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai in order to receive the second tablets. He went up on Rosh Chodesh Elo, and he came down and brought the second tablets, which were a a simon, a, a sign of God's forgiveness to the Jewish people on Yom Kippur. And it's a 40-day cycle. And it's hinted to in the last letters of these four words, because Yud equals 10. So 4 times 10 equals 40. And if you look at the last word, Ani dodi vidodi li, my beloved is to me, the word li itself equals 40. And it's broken up into two letters. The lamed equals 30. Those are the 30 days 
of Elul. And the Yud is 10, and these are the 10 days of Tshuva. Aseret Yemei Tshuva from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. So it's very, very important, just like, let's say, Sphira to Omer, where we're, we're very aware that we're part of a 49-day cycle. Or the Aseret Yemei Tshuva. We're aware that we're in the midst of a 10-day cycle. But the bigger cycle here is a 40-day. And this brings me to a very important point, is that Lutzarenu, most people squander the month of Elo. To be honest, I've done it myself, so I, I know what it's like. Is We're so focused on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur coming and Sukkot, that we forget all of the preparation that we're supposed to do during Elo, all the spiritual, emotional, psychological preparations for Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is given over in the image of a, of a court date, of a, a judgment. And so anyone who would have a court date and a, uh, a sentence hanging over them of, of life and death, wouldn't they prepare in the greatest seriousness in fact, it would probably be the only thing they could think about is I have my court date coming up that's going to decide whether I, I go free or has shalom. So that is the month of Elo. And it helps to know that we're just at the beginning of the cycle. Still have a lot of time. Today is the fourth day of Elo. So I just want to bless everyone, is don't squander the month of Elo. It's, it's, it's such a gift that we have the chance to recalibrate, to reframe our entire lives. It's not just that God is giving birth to a new year. We're giving birth to a new year. We're giving birth to our own selves once again. So that's Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. Now, what I want to give over is many people are not aware that this is not the only acronym that spells out ELO. I'm, I'm going to give over the four altogether. There might be even more. These are the four cardinal ones. And the one that everyone knows is Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. So I want to give over three others. And for those who are taking notes. If you want to look for Anila Dodi Dodi Li, it's in Shira Shirim, the sixth chapter, the third verse. Six, three. The next one is from the book of Devarim, and it's in Parshat Nitzavim. And I'm going to read the whole Pasuk. It's a very, very important Pasuk. It says, Umal Hashem Elokecha et levavcha and God, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children, to love God, your God, 
with all your heart and with all your soul, Laman Chayecha, in order that you shall live. For those who want to look it up, it's uh, chapter 30, the sixth verse, 36. Not 36, 30, colon 6. Why do I bring this passage? Because if you look at this verse, the the first letters of et levavcha et levav that your heart and the heart of your children spell out elo now the importance of this it says in in the zohar that what does god want from us he wants our heart he wants our heart and we know that in the, the, the sages ask in the Torah, many times it says you shall serve God with all your heart. In one of the psukim, the sages ask, well, what does it mean to serve God with your heart? And their answer is prayer, tefillah. That is the service of the heart. And we all know I don't know what's going to happen this year. Really don't know. But in an ordinary year, we spend more time in shul on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Hesukkah, Hoshana Rabbah, Simchastar, than any other period of the entire year. We're in shul a lot. And there's a lot of davening. And the, the, the nusach, of, of these holidays are so exalted, so heart-rendering, heart-warming. So the, the acronym, et levavcha et levav, that your heart and the heart of your children should be given over to Hashem. So that's the second acronym. The third one, is I'm going to introduce it, but that will be the second paradigm that we're going to learn. And this is in the book of Shemot, the 16th chapter, the 28th verse. 16, colon 28, the book of Shemot. And this is the first introduction to the concept of an Ir Miklat, a city of refuge. This mitzvah is repeated many times in the Torah. Many, many times this idea that if someone inadvertently kills someone else by mistake, but some, some semblance of culpability, they, in, in ancient times, they would have to go to what's called a city of refuge. And that's where they would have to stay until the Kohen Gadol would pass away. And then they would be free to leave. In other words, it's, there's some culpability here, but it's certainly not murder because it was not on purpose. But still, it was somewhat care, careless. It was, there was some uh, lapse of consciousness here that allowed something like this to happen. 
So in the verse that, that I'm going to quote here, this is the first introduction to this idea. It's all, it's all in one verse. Later in the Torah, there's many details about the city of refuge. And like I said, I'm not going to go into it so much because that's the whole second uh, paradigm, as we will see. But the Rashi Tevot are, the, the verse says like this, Ba'asher Lot Sada. First it says if someone kills on purpose, they deserve to be killed themselves. In other words, under certain circumstances, even though we know from the Gomorrah it was hardly ever actually practiced, but there is a place for the death penalty in, in the Torah. Like I said, it was hardly ever actually carried out, but in the Torah there is the uh, place for it. But then it says, but what about someone, Asher Lot Sadat, someone who, he, he didn't hunt, Sadat literally, he didn't hunt after a person to kill them. But God put it into his hand, meaning he set up a situation where this, this occurrence happened. And God says, I will give you a place for you to run to. So that's, that's all that the Pasuk says. So if you look at the Pasuk, the Roshay Tevot, that God put it into a person's hand that this should occur. And I will give you a place to run to. So I'm going to leave this one just for another few minutes because we're going to get into it in a much deeper way in a minute. And the last one is, comes from the book of Esther, the ninth chapter, the 22nd verse. And this says, these are the two of the mitzvahs of the day. And part of the celebration of Purim is that we give, we send gifts, a person to his or her friend, and gifts to the poor. So the Roshay Tevot, the acronym of Ish L'Re'ehu, a, a person to their friend and gifts to the poor spells out Elo. So this tells us something very, very important about Elo. And this is connected to what we're told in Sefer Yitzira. In Sefer Yitzira, it tells us that each month has a letter associated with it a chush, a sense, an astrological sign, uh, and a part of the body. And later, many, many more connections were given. The, the, the uh, um, permutation of God's name, a tribe, and other, other connections. So the sense of the month of Elul is 
action, ma'ase. And this tells us something very, very important. As we prepare for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and we, we want to improve, we want to look honestly where we can make changes in our life, how we can do things better, differently, and rectification, and all that that entails, we can't leave it in, as just an intellectual exercise. It has to be brought down into ma'ase. And we're told that the, the, the greatest ma'ase is gemilut chasidim, is tzedakah, is acts of kindness. So Elo is actually sometimes called Chodesh HaRachamim, the month of compassion. And compassion, by definition, by Jewish definition, needs an action connected to it. In other words, if I feel Rachmanus for someone, but I don't do anything about it, it's not really called having compassion. It could be simply that I say a prayer for them. It could be that I give a little tzedakah in their name. It could be that I just pick up the phone and, and call them or really, really think about them and send my, my energy. That's an action. So this is a month of action. In other words, all the tikkuning that we would like to do in order to enter into a new year, we have to remember that it, it entails action. And that's this last one, the Rashi Tevot of Ish Lere'ehu, a person to their friend, and gifts to the poor. So here, we did this fairly quickly, but I'm going to say them again, and uh, hopefully people are taking notes and then can look up, not only look it up, but actually contemplate these four ideas. The first one is Anila Dodi Vidodi Li in Song of Songs, sixth chapter, third Pasuk. The second one is in the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, the sixth verse, where God is going to circumcise our hearts and the hearts of our children. And so we, we, we want to serve Hashem all the time, but especially in, in the month of Elo leading into Yom Adin, the Day of Judgment, we want to renew and make new our, our connection to God through our heart, through our prayer. The third one is I didn't explain that much because I'm going to explain it now in much greater depth, but is a Rashi Tevot from the first mention of a city of refuge. And we're going to learn deeper what that means to us today. And that is in the book of Exodus, Shemot, the 16th chapter, the 28th verse. And that is where it says that God puts it into our hand 
to, in a sense, do something not, not very positive, but then because there's a reason for it. There's a very famous Rashi that explains why would a person end up uh, killing inadvertently. Nothing happens by chance. But God will give us a place to go to. This is an opening for tshuva. That's why this, this acronym is so important because no matter what we do, even if we do something on purpose and we, and we come to regret it and, and, and we, we commit ourselves not doing it again, so the gates of tshuva are open. That's what Elul and Tishrei are all about. And the last one is from the book of Esther, ninth chapter, 22nd verse. And this is the two mitzvahs of Purim is Mishloch Manot, Ish L'Re'ehu U'Matanot Le'Avyonim, spells out Elul, and the importance of acts of kindness in this month, the month of compassion. So that's the first paradigm that I want to give over. I hope everyone will take the opportunity uh, to really contemplate these, these four beautiful acronyms for the month of LO because they're not just cute acronyms. It really points out what to do with this month. What, what are our, 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 what's our direction in this month? Now the second paradigm I want to give over is a, it's a meditation and it's based on cities of refuge. Now, one of the main teachings of the Baal Shem Tov was that there are so many mitzvot, there's 613 mitzvot in the Torah. I don't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere between 150 to 200 mitzvot that we actually do today, meaning, around two-thirds of the mitzvot in the Torah, because they're connected to the temple, to Eretz Yisrael, to the Kohanim, to the Leviim, to a Sanhedrin, and we don't have any of those. We have Eretz Yisrael that we have, but, and we have Yerushalayim, but not in connection with the, with the temple. And so therefore, two-thirds of the mitzvahs in the Torah we actually don't do today. Some of them we do to Rabbanan from, from the rabbis. And so the question is, well, how do we relate to the Torah? There are all these mitzvahs that we don't do anymore. And so the Baal Shem explains that every mitzvah, every word in the Torah is, is nitzchi, is everlasting, is eternal. And just because we don't do the mitzvah doesn't mean that we don't have what to learn from it. So today we don't have cities of refuge. There is no concept like that right now. So the question is, so what do we learn from this? So what I'm going to present, and ho hopefully people are taking notes, but if not, at least write this down because Everything I'm giving over is in a chart on my website. So if you go to my website, thetrugmans.com, 
very easy. The Trugmans.com. You'll get to the website. And on the top, you'll see a link to articles. You click on articles. The very bottom says Jewish meditation. If you click on Jewish meditation, it will take you to living in divine space. And in there, there's a short article, but it has the chart, all the information I'm about to pack into less than a half an hour is right there in the chart. So for those who don't want to write furiously, but will follow up my advice, you'll get the whole chart right there. This, according to, this is a meditation that was developed by Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg. And he describes it as the most fundamental and important of all Jewish meditation. Now, what is it based on? Now, if you look in the Torah, we know that there were six cities of refuge. Six cities of refuge. Three on one side of the Jordan, from the Jordan to the Mediterranean, and the other in what we'll call Transjordan. Three and three. There were six altogether. Now it turns out that Elul is the sixth month of the year. And so Rav Ginsburg explains that when a person wants to do tshuva, when a person wants to do really honest cheshbon and nefesh, a real accounting, a spiritual accounting, and a very practical accounting, of where, where am I going in life? What have I accomplished this past year? What didn't I accomplish? What do I want to accomplish? And we really take the time to think about these things during Elo. In order to do this, we need a safe place. We need a, we, a city of refuge. And the meditation I'm going to give over is how to create this city of refuge where we can feel safe. Now, why do we have to feel safe? Because if we look at ourselves honestly, all of us, we, we, we have a lot of things that we would like to improve, a lot of things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And once we start raising those kinds of thoughts, this is like, why did a person have to run to a city of refuge? Because there was what's called the, the Goel Dam, the, the blood avenger, that if, if someone heard that their, their relative or someone close to them was, was killed by someone else, they might come after them and kill, and they might end up killing them. So that's why a city of refuge was established in order to, so people could safely um, dwell there and, and would be okay. So our misdeeds are like the Avengers running after us. 
everyone knows sometimes how much we'd like to leave the past behind, but the past sometimes it runs after us, sometimes relentlessly. And we need a safe, a place. That's the city of refuge. Now, how do we establish the city of refuge? It turns out that in, in Jewish thought, there are what's called six mitzvot midiot, six continual mitzvot that apply to every person in every place at every time. And this is explained, it's given over by the Rambam and especially in Sefer HaChinuch, where it describes the six mitzvot. And in the, in the, in the Sefer HaChinuch, Sefer HaChinuch is a, a very, very important book um, that goes through the 613 mitzvot according to the opinions of Rambam. And he mentions in the introduction to this book, he mentions the six continual mitzvah, which we're going to go through right now. And he says, the hint to these mitzvot are the six cities of refuge. But he doesn't explain what does that mean. So Rabbi Ginsburg took these ideas and created what he calls living in divine space by taking these six mitzvot and creating around us a mental cube. Because what is a cube? A cube is six-sided. We have the four cardinal directions above us and below us. Every cube is six-sided and in fact, all space, in a sense, is an extension of a cube. Because wherever you are in space, you are surrounded by these six uh, planes of a cube. And so by arranging these six mitzvot around us, we create a divine space. We create a safe healthy, holy space in which to meditate, to meditate on our connection to God, to meditate on our connection to the Torah, and to meditate on our connection to our, our, our own souls. So what we're going to do now, we're going to go through these six mitzvot, and I'm going to tell you which direction they're connected to, which of the spherot they're connected to, and which of the, we'll call them the ushpizi, which uh, figures they're connected to. But we're going to see that there's actually seven here. Why? Because we're in the middle. We're in the middle of this cube of this divine space that we're creating. Now, it could be that we'll get to this later, but I want to mention that 
this meditation, and again, you can find it on my website. I'm going to say it again, thetrugmans.com. You go to articles, then you go to Jewish meditation, and then you go to living in divine space. Now this meditation, first of all, Jewish meditation, one does not have to close their eyes. One does not have to memorize everything I'm giving over here. One can look at the chart and meditate on the concepts behind it. But one of the reasons this meditation, which can be done anytime, in any place, is so important because it also forms a basic meditation for shaking lulav. Because how do we shake lulav? We shake to the six directions. And so each direction that we shake to has all of these associations. Many people, I'm not criticizing, but a lot of people shake lulav in a matter of 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And it's because most people don't know what to think about. We have this mitzvah, and I know we're supposed to shake to the three directions, but I don't know what to be thinking about when I'm doing this. So this meditation that we're giving over is, is so rich in, in associations and symbolism but like I said, it can be done any time of the year, any, any place, any time. One can do it in two minutes or in two hours. It all depends on, on what a person wants to accomplish. Okay, so now we're going to go through these six mitzvot. And again, these are called continual mitzvot. And they're all mental. They're all mental. And again, we are creating around ourselves a cube, but we'll see in the end there's a seventh mitzvah that represents us in the middle. Now, I'm just pointing out, when we shake lulav, how do we do it? We shake to a direction, and then we bring it back to the heart, to the middle of the divine space. We go out and we come in. We go out, and we come in. And we do it three times to each direction, and three times six is 18, which is chai. What we're actually doing is we're taking our life force and contemplating how I can manifest that in the world. And then I draw from God's life force back into my heart to give me the strength to accomplish all that I've been praying for all the months of Elul and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. It all is in our hands on, on Sukkot. Rabbi Trugman? Yes. Hi, Sarah Sandler. The very last point you made about that the three movements in the six directions are high. Could you just uh -huh. repeat that more slowly? I am taking notes and I would like to really get that. Okay, so again, we shake 
to each direction three times. And each time we go out and in, out and in, out and in. Then we go to the next direction. So six directions times three out and ins, three times six is 18. It's high. Now, since we mentioned that, <clears throat> we'll probably get to this, but I'm going to mention very, very quickly, is that sometimes we think of sukkahs as being a holiday not all that connected to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We have Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is over. And now we have another holiday called sukkahs. But really, Sukkot is an, an extension of the prayers of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's why by all the Hasidic Rebbe's, <clears throat> they would take anywhere from a half an hour to three hours to shake lulav. Because they understood that shaking lulav, in a sense, is even deeper than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Because why? It's now in our hands. On Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so many of the prayers are happening like up in our head and hopefully in our hearts also. But the symbolism of picking up the Arba meaning is that God is saying, it's true, everything is my, in my hands. Like the song says, he's got the whole wide world in his hands. That's Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur. And then God turns around and says, that's true, but it's really in your hands. And then we pick up the Arba Minim and we start davening like crazy to manifest everything that we've been talking about. Okay. Rabbi, now, Rabbi yeah. uh, the chart, is it the one that's in your book, Seasons of the Soul? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so some people were having difficulty finding it online. So if they have Seasons of the Soul, it's page yeah. 218. Okay, great. 218, very good. And it's also, it's also in my book on music. A lot of people have my book on music. It's also there. I, I don't have it in front of me which page. And... No, excuse me, the dream book, excuse me, the mystical meaning of dreams. It's also there. And is it, and it's also in my book on Sfirah to Omer. There's also a whole piece about this meditation. So, not also in and, Living in Divine Space? About it, yes. And about it. I'll mention now, I'm going to give you my email. Thank you. Anyone who has any questions about this class or any of the other classes, and we don't get to, because we're, we're starting to run out of time here, and I have to give over these six mitzvot, please write me. Rabbi at thetrugmans.com. I'll say it again. Rabbi at thetrugmans.com. Com. And I, I welcome entering into a dialogue with anyone who wants to, um, on any subject, but especially on anything that we're talking about today. Okay, so now 
I'm going to really focus here. And we're going to go through the six um, continual mitzvah. So the first one is actually the first of the Ten Commandments. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am the Lord your God. Many people ask, well, what is the mitzvah? Is it, it, it's not phrased as a mitzvah. So the mitzvah is a belief in the existence of God and in divine providence. And right now we can't go into any of this in great depth, but that is the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to continually have an awareness of a, of a belief in God and a belief that God is, is active in my life and in the entire world. That is the mitzvah. The direction is above. And that makes perfect sense because it's, it's like I'm wearing a kippah and, and, and people are wearing a tichel. <laughs> um, it's to be aware that there is something above us. Okay, the sphera is Netzach. This is the, it's connected to the sphere of Netzach. And the soul that's connected is Moshe. In the end, I'll explain to everyone how to use this in the meditation. But let me just go through the mitzvah right now. So everyone gets the mitzvah. And hopefully, like I said, if anyone has any trouble finding it, just write me. And I, I'll just send you the link. I'll just send you the link that you just have to click on the link and you'll go right there, okay? So the next one is actually the second mitzvah of the Ten Commandments. Lo yiyah, you should not have any other gods before me. So this, in extension, is not just not believing in idol worship or being involved in idol worship, especially in our world today, this means not putting our trust in anything but God. That there's no other force to put our trust in. Not in our bank account, not in our job security, not even in our, 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 our other relationships. That ultimately, we have no other gods other than God. We have no other forces that we put our total trust in. And not to say that we shouldn't trust other people, but we're talking about, um, I mean, that's how idol worship came into being. People started putting trust in lesser energies and elevated them to be gods. Okay, that is below us, which also makes sense. There should be no other gods. That's the, 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 the mental idea of below us. That's the sphere of Hod, and that is Aharon. Now, the connection of the soul to the sphere out is exactly like the Ushbizim on Sukkot. That's why it's so connected to, to Sukkot. The third continual mitzvah, is Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And this is the belief in the unity of God. 
Now, one would say, well, if I believe in God already, don't I automatically believe in the unity of God? Well, the answer is not necessarily, because believing in one God, what it really means is the belief that ultimately everything is part of God's oneness. And truthfully, in science, this is, this is a huge thing. Since Albert Einstein began looking for the, uh, of how to unify the four basic forces of the universe, today it's called the theory of everything. Albert Einstein called it the unified field theory. He was looking for how the four major forces of the universe, the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, and um, gravity. These are the four cardinal forces of the universe. Of course, these correspond to the four letters of God's name that they're all unified. So it's an amazing thing that all of science understands now and accepts that everything is connected. Everything is part of one unified reality. So that's Shema Yisrael. We knew it, the Torah told us, 3,000 years ago. Go back to Avram Avinu. So that's the third continual mitzvah always have this consciousness. The fourth one is love of God. And that is in the, in the passage right after Shema. Vahafta et Hashem Elokecha. Odecha. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Shema is in front of us. Is the energy in front of us. Always to see the unity in front of us. The love of God is to our right. And this is, the, the sphere of course is chesed. And the person connected is Avram. The fifth is the fear or awe of God. In the book of Devarim, it, it says, what does God ask of you other than to have fear or awe of him? Ma Hashem elokecha sho'el mimcha, ela other than to have fear and awe of him. This is to the left. This is always connected to gevurah. And the person that's connected to is Yitzchak. And the sixth mitzvah, in a sense, is the hardest one of all of them. And that is, Lo taturu This is in the third passage of the Shema that we say twice a day. It's the parsha of Tzitzi where it says, don't go after, don't stray after your heart and your eyes. So this is understood very simply, is don't go after negative energy. And this is behind us. 
And this is very symbolic, like we said, the, uh, the avenger of blood <clears throat> is like running after us. Our past is not far behind. And just symbolically, like if someone is afraid, they're always like looking over their shoulder. If you've ever been, <laughs> there were times in, in New York that you go down in the subway, you, you, you got to watch your back. So that's the energy behind us. And that is Yisod. And that is connected to Yosef. Now, again, we went through this very quickly, and I, I, I apologize, but we only have so much time. But again, if anyone has any problem getting to the chart and wants more uh, details of this, then you can contact me. Rav Ginsburg has an entire book on this meditation called Living in Divine Space. If this meditation like turns you on, then it's highly advisable to order this book online, Living in Divine Space. Uh, you go to the Gal Enai website, Gal Enai, and you can order this book online. Like I mentioned, there is now the middle point, like just like in, in Shaking the Lula, we bring it back to the heart. So in in the Gemara, they mention, Rabbi Yochanan says, Halavai Adam Yitpalel, call a Yom Kulo. Would it be that a person could pray the entire day? Mm. So obviously, what it, what it doesn't mean is, would it be that I could live in a Bay Knesset 24 hours a day? and do nothing but daven from a sitter. That's not what it means. What it means is what David Amalek said, ani tefillah. I am prayer. What this means is prayer is not, this, what David was saying is prayer is not something that I do. Prayer is something that I am. ani tefillah. I am prayer. Meaning that my consciousness is in a constant state of prayerfulness. I'm always speaking to God. I'm always relating to God on the level of prayerfulness. So this is us in the middle of this divine space. So the way we use this meditation, and again, you don't have to memorize you can have the chart in front of you. Eventually you memorize it and you do it with your eyes closed, but that's not the main point. The main point is this idea, as we began, of creating a, a safe, divine space to orient our consciousness on a constant basis. In other words, if we contemplate these six mitzvot, in each one of these mitzvot, a person could go into a deep meditation. What, what does it really mean that everything is unified? How do I experience that? How do I see it in the world? Or this idea of you should have no other gods before me. 
when we look at our lives and we ask ourselves, do I really, do I really live like that? Or do I really put my trust in all of these um, transient, physical, material uh, things that come and go? So in other words, each one of these mitzvot, there's what to pray about. Now, when we add, especially the one, don't go after our eyes and our, and our heart, because all of us, unfortunately, carry around a lot of negative baggage. We have to be honest with ourselves. We're human beings, and all of us have as much as we try to be positive, we all have these little corners, these dark corners of- We're facing front. We're I'm facing sorry, what? I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I just didn't understand. This is behind us. Actually, we're told that when we do this meditation, we're always oriented to the east. So when we say Shema Yisrael is in front of us, this is east. When we say love of God, that's the south. When we say fear of God, that's the north. And, and when we say um, going after negativity, that's in the west. Are those, directions, are those directions universal? Or like in Sfat, we dove in south because no, 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 it's, the Beit Amikdash is there. I know, but it's uni no, this is universal. Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with where you are physically. It's a, it's a mental projection. It's a mental pro projection. Now, why it's important, because each of these spherot are connected to a direction. Because we always say that chesed is the right hand. And gevura is always the left and so forth and so on. What, so is, what is Shema? What is Shema? What, what, what direction or what, what sphera? And what sphera? Teferit. Now remember, each one of these goes according to one of the Ushbizim. We know that Avram is Chesed. Yitzchak is Gevura. Yaakov is Teferit. Moshe is Netzach. Aaron is, is Hod, and Yosef is Yesod, and David and Melech, he's in the middle. He is Malchut. Malchut. So I want to add, when we're shaking Lulav, I know it's a while from now, but when we're shaking Lulav, so what we, the way we make this meditation so deep is when we shake to, to, for the love of God, so of course it's a whole meditation is, how do I love God? Do I love God? Do I feel that God loves me? Or what could I do to make myself feel more connected to this love relationship? And even further, especially during during this time where we're trying to do cheshbon and nefesh, is what about the people that, I, that are closest to me? 
how do I express my love? Is there something lacking there? Is there a relationship I need to fix up? Is there something I can do better as being a father or a husband or a brother or a son, etc.? So in other words, that's how you can understand why some people can spend hours shaking lulav. Because this, and, and it's all in the framework of, of this type of meditation. Now then we add the, the personality that's connected. So again, I'm just taking one example. Let's say we're, we're, we're contemplating the love of God. That's one of the six continual mitzvot. And then we bring it to very practical, our own love relationships. And then we connect it to the sphera of chesed. And then we connect it to Avram Avinu, because we know on Sukkot each night we invite one of the Ushvizi. So when I shake to the south, so I start thinking about the life of Avram Avinu, and I, I, I project different stories and how I can learn from them and how I can emulate them and how I can bring them in my life. So when I, when I bring it back to my heart, I am bringing Avram Avinu into my heart. I'm bringing Yitzhak Avinu. I'm bringing the Ikeda into my heart. I'm bringing how Yitzhak dug the wells that the police team had stuffed up. I'm bringing into my heart that the, the love that I had for Rivka, etc., etc. Now, we've really run out of time here, um, but I hope I've given you a, a basis for this meditation. As I said before, when developed, this meditation has no limits. And it can be done a thousand times, and each time it's really different. It is so rich. And the important thing is it gives us a framework. A lot of times people try meditation. And like I said, like with Shaking Lulav, don't know really what should I think about? How should I center myself? How can I, what can I focus on? So this meditation, even though it seems somewhat complex, it's really not that complex. Once you like, you look at it and you, and you it becomes very natural, very, very natural. So I just wanna give everyone a blessing that we really take advantage of the month of Elo that this meditation, it goes from the mystical to the practical. This meditation can be used to really, really focus our, our orientation to the world, to, to center ourselves and to really have a way to, to, to look at who we are and what our relationships are and what we can do better. and how we can, in a sense, fix the past and how we can forge a new way in the future. So I want to bless everyone with a Shana Tova, with good health,
especially now with the good health, with lots of inner strength, with parnasa, shalom bayit, nachas from our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, our families, our friends. And this should be a year that we see peace in Am Yisrael and peace in the world.